we're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. So uh, today is Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. Um, Representative Hank Johnson, Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia, member of the Congressional Black Caucus, was uh, arrested today at a protest at the Hart Senate building uh, in Washington, D.C., the same building where African-American female uh, voting rights activists were arrested uh, last week. So it was Representative Hank Johnson and also Rashad Robinson of Color of Change, Cliff Albright of uh, Black Voters Matter. As the fight continues to um, break the filibuster and get the uh, For the People Act uh, passed and signed in the law, passed in the Senate and signed in the law. And then also they're pushing for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Uh, we're going to talk about this development here. And the question that keeps coming up, and I'll be back on Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, on Friday. We discussed it. We discussed this last Friday. And I'm going to bring this point up again. And Roland is talking about this also. But there are other groups that are uh, that will be negatively impacted by these voter restriction bills. And these other groups have largely remained silent. These other groups have largely remained silent. So we're going to um, talk about this and then also uh, give you an update on what's going on in Haiti. Uh, we know that on Tuesday, Haiti installed uh, its new prime minister, Ariel Henry, after the assassination of President Jovenel Moïse on July 7th. So we'll give you an update on uh, also what's going on uh, there in Haiti as well. And then uh, last Friday when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on uh, July 16th, Friday, July 16th, um, one of our guests was uh, Dr. Cornell West. And Dr. Cornell West talked about resigning from uh, Harvard University and blasting Harvard for not being uh, given uh, tenure. Okay, give it uh, not, not receiving tenure uh, as a professor. So I got a chance to ask him a question because Roland went to his panel. I got a chance to ask him a question, and I asked him about uh, the dispute between he and Dr. John Henrik Clark and Dr. Yosef Ben Yakinen and the criticisms that uh, Dr. Henry Lewis skipped the truth gates, and um, that's what. One of my teachers, uh, Dr. Linda Jeffries, calls Gates. Dr. Henry Lewis skipped the truth, Gates. But uh, criticisms that um, Dr. Henry Lewis Gates Jr. and Dr. Cornell West had of the African Senate scholars in the early, late 80s, early 1990s, like uh, Dr. John Henry Clark and Dr. Yosef Ben Yakinen. So I'm going to share with you that dialogue because his response was, was very uh, important. And he shed some information on that. He shed some light on that information, the situation that I did not know. Okay. Um, so he, he gave me more of his perspective. He spoke for himself. He couldn't speak for Gates because, and, and Dr. Jeffries has told me about Gates also. So um, I think maybe you've heard that some in the past when I've interviewed Dr. Leonard Jeffries, 
so we'll discuss that as well. All right, now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now, right now, it's correct your own behavior, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, relationships, love, sex, health, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, the sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, to sign up for our email newsletter, or visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, I want to remind you that uh, my new online course starts up on uh, Saturday. Uh, starts up on Saturday, uh, July 24th, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, this is uh, from the Civil War to uh, the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, um, 1865 to 1968, okay? And this is a 10-week online course uh, that I'm teaching. We deal with, we'll, uh, each class will analyze a 10-year period of history, and we're looking at when the Civil War ends, 1865, 13th Amendment, Juneteenth, Reconstruction era, 1865 to 1877. We'll go through the Jim Crow era, Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896. We'll go to the beginning of the 1900s and World War One and uh, Great Migration. But visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Scroll down the page and you'll see the information for uh, this exciting new online course I'm teaching. It meets on Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We do the classes live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. It's a 10-week online course from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Um, click on register here, and it'll take you to the next page, and you can register for uh, this online course. Click on uh, enroll. And as soon as you register this uh, archive content, you can start watching and then you'll be ready for class uh, this uh, Saturday, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. OK, you can watch from around the world and it's going to be a fantastic uh, class. And we're going to see what happened after after slavery ended and how we got to where we are today. All right. So uh, we'll post a link here. You can register for that online course. Of course, it's uh, regularly $130. It's on sale, uh, $80. All right. Um, I want to jump into this first story here, dealing with uh, Representative Hank Johnson. So we know that uh, pressure is increasing uh, on the uh, Democrats in the Senate, as well as Joe Biden, to uh, do something about the filibuster, whether it's a carve-out, whether you get rid of it altogether uh, and pressures on Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, as well as Kristen Sinema of uh, Arizona. So 
CNN.com as well as uh, New York Times has reporting on uh, what took place today. And I'm going to we have the article here from uh, New York Times up. I'm going to go to the reporting also from uh, CNN. Now, you know, I've been talking about how silent uh, many of these corporations have been on this new round of uh, voter restriction bills that have been passed also. So pressure has to also increase on um, these, uh, on the corporations also. But uh, Representative Hank Johnson, Democrat of Georgia, was among a group of protesters on the Capitol Hill complex on Thursday while demonstrating for voting rights and against the filibuster in the U.S. Senate. Now, the arrest came one week after uh, chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus uh, was arrested. Uh, Joyce Beatty, Representative Joyce Beatty, uh, Democrat of Ohio, was arrested by U.S. Capitol Police also while demonstrating for voting rights. And, you know, we've talked about that here um, on this show as well. You can go back and, and listen to the shows from uh, last week, uh, last week, Thursday and Friday. I think that was the 15th and 16th. Um, so good reporting from Politico.com. Um, Black Black Caucus chair arrested during protests in Capitol Complex. This is Representative Joyce Beatty. And there's good reporting there. And also from um, April Ryan for the Griot.com dealing with the meeting that Vice President Kamala Harris had um, uh, Friday, July 16th with uh, the African-American female activists. Now, one of the questions, and Roland talked about this today on Roland Martin Unfiltered, um, is the White House going to have a meeting with these brothers who were arrested? These are activists also, very, very important brothers. The White House should meet with them as well, and we have to hit them from all different sides, okay? And this is one of the things I'm going to talk about uh, tomorrow because a lot of these uh, people who, a lot of these groups, uh, what have you, claim to be allies, many of them have laryngitis, and some of them have amnesia also. Uh, now, the arrest came one week after the chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus, Joyce Beatty, was arrested by U.S. Capitol uh, Police, uh, also while demonstrating uh, for voting rights. Now, Representative Hank Johnson on uh, his Twitter page said, I was arrested today for protesting against uh, Senate inaction on voting, on voting rights legislation and filibuster reform on voting rights legislation and filibuster reform. Uh, he said, quote, in the spirit of my of my dear friend and mentor, the late Congressman John Lewis, I was getting in hashtag good trouble. Now, uh, speaking of good trouble, Kristen Cinema of Arizona got herself in some hot trouble by tweeting about John Lewis uh, on the anniversary, the first year anniversary of his death, while she is standing in the way of passing the For the People Act. Okay, because she won't budge on the filibuster. So she got her ass lit up, rightfully so. And then there was a poll that came out in Arizona that showed 66 percent of Democrats who registered to vote would support a uh, a a primary against her uh, in 2024 when she's up for reelection. Rightfully so. She needs to be voted out of office. She needs to be voted out of office. Okay. Um, if we look at the I want to go to the reporting also here from CNN. If we look at the piece here from CNN and we're coming up here on a break, uh, we'll go to CNN on the other side of the break because I want to pull up his Twitter account. 
uh, Representative Hank Johnson on Twitter. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll go. We'll go to that on the other side of the break. Let's continue here. So, uh, in in a video posted on uh, Hank Representative Hank Johnson's Twitter account, he could be seen continuing to chant with protesters, uh, even after he was taken into custody with his hands bound in zip ties. Now, were these zip ties that taxpayers paid for? Were these zip ties that you took from the domestic terrorist insurrectionists on January sixth? Because some of them had zip ties. Were these zip ties you took from them or were these zip ties paid for by taxpayer dollars? We know they, they weren't paid for by Jeff Bezos from Amazon because he don't pay taxes. Isn't it interesting how Jeff Bezos can fly to outer space, but he's clueless on this topic right here? I haven't heard Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Bezos could put pressure on these Republicans. He's pretty much silent. I guess he's busy trying to fly to outer space or something. You know, maybe wants to set up a colony of Amazon on the moon. Uh, you know, uh, Gil Scott, you, you know, some people ask me, what do you think about Jeff Bezos uh, uh, going going to outer space? What have you? I posted how I felt on my Twitter page. It's a um, it's a poem from Gil Scott Heron about white people on the moon. Go, go check that out. It's, it's at the African History Network. OK, people say, well, what do you think about uh, uh, him and the other billionaire going to going to? Out of space, going to outer space. Okay, go. Gil Scott Heron called this decades ago. Now, Tia Mitchell, a reporter with the Atlanta Journal Constitution, who was on the scene, posted a video on Twitter showing Representative Hank Johnson and other protesters with their arms linked, blocking a doorway. We're going to continue this on the other side of the break. You're listening to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes. Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our story, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. 
I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Thursday, July 22nd, 2021, and we're live. Call-in number is 313-778-7600. It is the call-in number if you have a question or comment, 313-778-7600. Here's the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Um, right before the break, we were talking about the uh, voting rights protest that took place uh, today at the Hart Senate building in Washington, D.C., uh, at the U.S. Capitol, uh, Representative Hank Johnson, uh, member of the Congressional Black Caucus from um, Georgia, from the state of Georgia, was um, arrested along with um, two other African-American um, activists, male activists, Rashad Robinson of Color of Change, as well as uh, Cliff Albright of Black Voters Matter. Now, Cliff Albright was on Roland Martin of Filter today. He was also on, uh, I think it was the last word um, on MSNBC. Ali Velshi was sitting there for Lawrence O'Donnell uh, on the last word also. Uh, and they were talking about what's taking place and um, what needs to happen as well. And pressure that has to continue to be put on uh, the White House uh, and the Senate. Uh, regarding uh, the filibuster and pushing the For the People Act. Okay, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Also, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, then also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. This is our official Cash App account here, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. And it shows my name there, Michael, and it shows my picture as well. Uh, we're here six days a week, so this helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, uh, pay some of the bills, et cetera. All right. Now, I want to go back to this uh, article here from the New York Times, and then we're going to go and look at uh, Representative Hank Johnson's uh, Twitter page because he posted on his Twitter page also. Now, Tia Mitchell, a reporter with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, who was on the scene, posted a video on Twitter showing uh, Representative Hank Johnson and other protesters with their arms linked, blocking a doorway. They were warned by the U.S. Capitol Police that they could be arrested for demonstrating without a permit, according to uh, Tia Mitchell. Uh, now, last Thursday, we know Representative Joyce Beatty, Democrat of Ohio, member of the Congressional Black Caucus, was among nine people arrested in the atrium of a Senate office building uh, while demonstrating in favor of two voting rights bills in Congress, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act. Both measures aim to protect and expand access to voting but face long odds, uh, long odds of becoming law because Democrats who have a narrow majority in the Senate, it's a 50 50 uh, majority in the Senate with Vice President Kamala Harris being the tie breaking vote. But most bills you need 60 votes on most bills. You need 60 votes unless it's through the budget reconciliation process or unless you can break the filibuster. You can call, you can change the rules to the filibuster where you just need a simple majority of 51 votes to um uh, proceed or get bills passed. Now, uh, Democrats have a narrow majority in the Senate. Uh, they need Republican votes to overcome a filibuster. They need 10 Republicans to vote on a bill to avoid, to uh, break the filibuster. Most of these bills, Republicans are not voting on. Most of these bills, Republicans are not going to support. 
Now, for months, Democrats have expressed frustration over their inability to advance their expansive voting overhauls as Republican state legislatures rush to pass laws that restrict voting, restrict voting rights across the country. So we have 389 bills that are being pushed in 48 state legislatures. So far, we have uh, 30 bills that have passed in 18 states uh, that are being pushed by Republicans. 30 bills have passed in 18 states voter restriction bills being pushed by Republicans. And that's the latest reporting from the Brennan Center for Justice that is tracking this. President Joe Biden, we know he did a town hall with Don Lemon on CNN uh, uh, yesterday on uh, on Wednesday, uh, July 21st. President Joe Biden last week called the fight against restrictive voting laws the, quote, most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. Even as he seemed to acknowledge the legislation had little hope of passing at a televised town hall on Wednesday in Cincinnati on CNN, um, President Biden defended keeping the filibuster, saying that getting rid of it would, quote, throw the entire Congress into chaos and nothing will get done. Now, as news and images of the arrest spread across social media, some noted the contrast between the treatment of the members of Congress who are African-American and the hundreds of uh, domestic terrorists, insurrectionists, rioters uh, that trespassed at, at the Capitol on January 6th who were not detained. See, we talked about this last week and I talked about the, asked this question Friday on Roland Martin Unfiltered. How is it the sisters got arrested and they weren't armed? Representative Joyce Beatty. OK, this sister looks like a grandmother. All right. Or great grandmother, depending upon because nowadays, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 50. So, you know, to me, what a grandmother is now is different than what it was like when I was 25. But <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But uh, uh, this this sister and nine other sisters got arrested. They weren't armed. They weren't yelling, hang Mike Pence. They weren't threatening anybody. They weren't stealing mail. They weren't uh, damaging property, anything like that. OK, and they got arrested. The domestic terrorists on January 6th, some of them were armed. Some of them were beating up police. OK, uh, uh, some some had guns, some of them beating police with flagpoles. Many of them didn't even most of them didn't even get arrested. Now, they got arrested later. We know it was at least 500 of them got arrested and they're being prosecuted. They got arrested later. But it's like, wait a second. And then today, these brothers got arrested. OK, they weren't threatening anybody. OK, they weren't threatening anybody and they get they get arrested. So people are asking the question, well, wait a second. Is that wait a second, how is it that the domestic terrorist insurrectionists who are trying to overthrow the government didn't get arrested? And these people who are trying to preserve the democracy and uh, fight for what the Constitution says is already ours. How, how is it? How is it they get arrested? And he's a member of Congress, and so is uh, Representative Joyce Beatty. Now, one of the things that I'm going to talk about on Roland Martin the Filter tomorrow is that I know you notice how notice how quiet a lot of celebrities are. Notice how quiet a lot of celebrities are who were very vocal in the summer of 2020 during the protest with George Floyd. Notice how quiet they are. I guarantee you. Now, it also, if you go back. To 2015 and 2016, when we were dealing with the transgender bathroom bill uh, in in Indiana and North Carolina, celebrities were much more vocal 
when it came to transgender people being able to use the bathroom of their choice. Now, with this voting rights issue that impacts more than just African Americans, this ain't just a black thing. Even though it's associated with the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and people think this is just a black thing, no, it's not. This goes way beyond just affecting African Americans. Notice how quiet celebrities are. I guarantee you, if this was an LGBTQ issue, they would all be uh, uh, involved in protests and doing commercials and on TV shows talking about it and things like this. I guarantee you that. If this was something dealing with gay marriage or something, if this was something dealing with uh, 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 transgender people being able to use the bathroom of their choice or something like that, I guarantee you, celebrities, you can shut them up from talking about it. Notice how silent many of them are. So, Let's, let's go back to this article here from the New York Times, and we're going to look at Representative Hank Johnson's uh, Twitter page. Um, so people are asking the question, the disparate treatment when it comes to African-American members of Congress and domestic terrorists who tried to overthrow the government January 6th. Now, in an interview with Elle magazine about her arrest, Representative Joyce Beatty, Democrat of Ohio, chair of the Congressional Black Caucus pointed out the same discrepancy. She said, quote, at the January 6th insurrection, where the domestic terrorists were sent there by the trader in chief, Benedict Donald, the first president of the United States. That's me saying that's not her, but it is true what I'm saying. He is the, he, Donald Trump is the first Russian president of the United States. Wait till all the information comes out and you see, you see the coordination between he and, and, and Vladimir Putin. Wait till all the information comes out. At the January 6th insurrection, she said, you had thousands of people damaging federal property, rushing and breaking down doors. She said people were dying. There was nothing peaceful about it. And look what happened. That day, there were no arrests, no handcuffs, no paddy wagons. So we have this here. We have this article here from New York Times. And like I said before, we... It, we know there were orders from higher ups for the Capitol Police to stand down. There were orders for them not to engage with the protesters, for them not to have riot gear like they should have had, things like this. We know that. Now, who was it coming from higher up? This is people in the Trump administration. We, we know this. But just looking at the disparity in the reactions. Now, let me say this. At the same time, I haven't seen any reports either last week or today of anybody, of any people who are arrested being uh, abused. Let me, let me just say that. But you have to ask the question, wait a second, why are they being arrested? I understand they don't have a permit. Okay, all right. But damn, come on. This is what you're going to do? You're going to arrest them? They're peacefully protesting? And you have members of Congress also? All right. And these weren't these weren't members of Congress who incited the insurrection January 6th either. Just so people understand, these weren't members of these weren't those these weren't some of those Republicans like Paul Gosar and 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 uh, uh, Louis Gohmert of 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 uh, uh, Texas, okay, or uh, uh, Senator Ted Cruz or uh, uh, Senator Josh Hawley. This is what these weren't some of those people. Now, if we look at the um, article here from. CNN also let's flip over to uh, the one from CNN call the numbers 313-778-7600 313-778-7600 313-778-7600 
if you have a quick question or comment, 313-778-7600. We look at this piece here from uh, CNN, Representative Hank Johnson arrested at voting rights protests. All right. Uh, I want to go, let me see here. I made notes on this one. Okay, so Rashad Robinson of um, uh, colorchange.org, color change, and also uh, Cliff Albright of Black Voters Matter. They were also arrested. Um, let me see here. Uh, I made notations here because I printed this up from uh, CNN. Let me look at my notes. So uh, to let's see today, Congressman Hank Johnson, uh, a statement from Hank Johnson's office to CNN said today, Congressman uh, Hank Johnson was arrested along with a group of black male voting rights activists protesting uh, uh, protesting against Senate inaction on voting rights, legislation, and filibuster reform. Senate inaction on voting rights legislation and filibuster reform. Now, they were arrested. Uh, Representative Hank Johnson was one of 10 people whom Capitol Police arrested for unlawfully demonstrating, unlawfully demonstrating outside of the Hart Senate office building, and they were charged with crowding, obstructive, and incommoding, okay? I think the thing they're referring to not moving. Now, the protest, the statement said, was also in response to restrictive voting laws across the country, quote, that target students, the elderly, and people of color. Students, the elderly and people of color. This is extremely important because, as, as I've said, as I've been saying the past two weeks, we have to expand the conversation but beyond just African-Americans. If this just remains a black thing, we're going to lose. You have 38 million uh, disabled Americans who are registered to vote. 38 million disabled Americans who are registered to vote. When you have something uh, rest uh, voter restriction bills like this, this negatively impacts them. You have college students, regardless of race, you have college students who are going to be negatively impacted because when they're, when they're uh, reducing the number of polling places on college campuses, drop box, drop boxes on college campuses, things like this, this impacts college students who overwhelmingly vote democratic and don't vote for Republicans in general. Overwhelmingly, Republicans notice this is why they want to attack them. This negatively impacts the elderly, who many of them vote uh, through mail-in ballots, okay, through mail-in ballots because they can't stand in line for long periods of time and things like this. This negatively impacts Latinos, Asian Americans, Native Americans, the LGBTQ community as well. Now, the question I have to ask. Where are the white feminists? Where, where are the white feminists? Notice how quiet the white feminists have been. Now, they were just vocal two weeks ago when Bill Cosby got out of prison. Now, all of a sudden, they have laryngitis. Because many of the white feminists vote for Democrats. They're going to be negatively impacted by, by these laws also. Why are the white feminists so quiet? You were yelling at the top of your lungs a couple of weeks ago when Bill Cosby got out of, out of prison. Now, all of a sudden, you have laryngitis. Why is Me Too so silent?
I'm just I'm just asking questions. The, the, these voter restriction bills don't just negatively impact African-Americans. Why is me too so quiet? Why are progressives and white progressives so quiet? Many of them. Now, we know we have you have some like with the New Georgia project and things like this who are involved. But overwhelmingly. All these other groups that are negatively impacted by these voter restriction bills. Are silent. And see, what I'm saying is, is that we have to expand the conversation beyond just African-Americans and show how all these other groups are negatively impacted. And see, one of the problems is, is that when we keep talking about the 1965 Voting Rights Act, people just automatically associate the 1965 Voting Rights Act with African-Americans. Dr. King, John Lewis, Selma, Edmund Pettus Bridge, okay, Hosea Williams, things like this. And it, it, it frames the conversation just like immigration reform gets automatically associated with the Latino community, but that impacts everybody also. So one of the things that has to happen is that this has to be made a constitutional issue. This is an issue that impacts the 15th Amendment the 19th Amendment and the 20 and the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Uh, the 26th Amendment, 26th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The 15th Amendment, February 3rd, 1870, guaranteed the right to vote for African-American men. OK, during Reconstruction, 1870. The 19th Amendment of 1920 guaranteed the right to vote for white women. Then 65 Voting Rights Act. It expanded it to include African-American women. Now, up north, African-American women could vote, of course. But in the south, you still had these Jim Crow laws. So you have the 19th Amendment of 1920. That's a constitutional issue. That's an amendment to the Constitution. But then you had the 26th Amendment of 1971. The 26th Amendment lowered the minimum voting age from 21 to 18. And that was 1971 under uh, 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 President Nixon. So this is a constitutional issue. 15th Amendment, 19th Amendment and 26th Amendment. So we have to expand the conversation of who is negatively impacted by this, because there has to be a massive uprising all across the country, just like back a few years ago when Republicans were trying to take away the Affordable Health Care Act. And there was a vote in the Senate and John McCain saved the Affordable Health Care Act. It was his vote that blocked it in the blocked the removal of the Affordable Health Care Act, the gutting of it in the Senate. Well, prior to that, there were massive protests all across the country. And many people were organizing based upon the document called Indivisible. Indivisible website, indivisibleguide.com. Many people were organizing based upon this document called Indivisible. And uh, one of the things that happened is that a lot of white people found out that the Affordable Health Care Act and Obamacare were the same thing. See, a lot of white people found out that the Affordable Health Care Act and Obamacare were the same thing. And many of them prior to that we're saying you can take away Obamacare. Just don't take away my Affordable Health Care Act because they have the Affordable Health Care Act and it was saving their lives. OK, there was a study done in ABC News has an article about this. So y'all think I'm playing. No, this is how stupid people were. 
Because, see, one of the things that Republicans did was they branded it as Obamacare, which was which it was they it was po- that that term was poll tested. OK, that term was poll tested. Uh, to be negative. Two, in a lot of Republican states, they call the uh, they call the Affordable Health Care Act something else. Like in Kentucky it's called Kentucky Connect. OK. And there were uh, so people had the Affordable Health Care Act, but in certain states it was called something else. So they were saying, well, you can take away Obamacare. Just don't take away my Affordable Health Care Act. Just don't take away my Kentucky Connect. This is the game. This is the game that's being ran on these stupid ass people. Um, what was that? The there was a all there was a piece dealing with how uh let me see if I can find this here. One is something like one in three Americans. One in three Americans did not know the Affordable Health Care Act and Obamacare were the same thing. Let me see if I can find this here. Uh, hold on. I want to find this here. Okay. Uh, I, I sent you. We're going to go to clip one here, Shakita, in just a second. Uh, I'm going to try to pull this up uh, while we go to this uh, next clip here. Uh, let me see here. Okay. This is one from CNN. This is one. Yeah. It was uh, in New York Times. That's what it is. February 7th, 2017. February 7th, 2017. This is a month after the trade in chief was signed in, uh, was sworn into office. Okay. New York Times, let me pull this up here. See, this is the type of game that's being ran on people. This is what happens when you're ignorant and don't understand politics and don't read. Okay. This is what happens. Okay. And they, they run, they run, they run this type of game on the, on the, um, the, 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 the snuff dippers and the, um, um, people that drink corn liquor. This is the type of game they run on them. This, this is the same game that was ran on them during the Civil War. When white, poor white men were convinced to go fight in the Civil War while wealthy white men that owned slaves in the South stayed home. This is the same game that was ran on them back then. And they said that the slaves are free. Slaves going to take your jobs. Okay. Well, slaves are already doing your jobs and largely they were doing it for free because there were at least 262 skills, trades, and crafts that slaves had in this country from 1619 1865 so one they were already doing your job and doing it for free two you going to risk your life for something that you don't have while wealthy white men many of them are staying at home and you go if many many wealthy white men in the confederacy didn't fight in the war some of them did like general robert e lee but the majority of the people that fought on behalf of the south were poor white people Poor white men. It wasn't the wealthy ones going fighting. Getting generally speaking. Uh, let's look at this one here. New York Times, February seventh, twenty seventeen. One third don't know Obamacare and Affordable Affordable Care Act are the same thing. One third don't know Obamacare and Affordable Care Act are the same. A sizable minority of Americans don't understand that Obamacare is just another name for the Affordable Care Act. Now, this is from February 2017. 
And if they were that dumb back then, you know, it's something they're stupid about today. Okay, let's just be honest. This finding from a poll by Morning Consult illustrates the extent, illustrates the extent of public confusion over a health law that Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress hope to repeal. In the survey, 35% of respondents said they either thought Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act were different policies. That was 17%. Or they didn't know if they were the same or different. 18% for a total of 35. Just clueless. Now, these are, these are, they, they, they probably, this 35% is probably part of the uh, 60% of Americans that were surveyed in like 2019. And 60% of Americans couldn't name the three branches of government. And one of five Americans couldn't name one branch of government. They, 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 they were probably part of that group. They probably watch Fox News all day also, most of them. Now, this confusion was more pronounced among people 18 to 29 and those who earn less than $50,000 a year, two groups that could significantly be affected by repeal of the Affordable Health Care Act. Among Republicans, a higher percentage, 72%, said they knew Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act were the same, 72, so 72% so of uh, Republicans said they knew Obamacare and Affordable Care Act were the same, which may reflect the party's longstanding hostility to the law. When respondents were asked what would happen if Obamacare were repealed, even more people were stumped. Approximately 45% did not know that the Affordable Care Act would be repealed. 12% of Americans said the Affordable Care Act would not be repealed, and 32% said they didn't know. Read, read this. This is from 2017. New York Times. One third don't know about the Affordable Care Act are the same. Okay, so check this out. Now, um, let's look quickly here at uh, Representative Hank Johnson's Twitter account. Uh, Representative Hank Johnson at Black Caucus. I was arrested today. Uh, let's see. I was arrested today um, protesting against Senate inaction on voting rights legislation and filibuster reform. In the spirit of my dear friend and mentor, the late Congressman John Lewis, I was getting in good trouble. Okay. And uh, okay. So you can check out Representative uh, uh Hank Johnson, Rep. Hank Johnson on Twitter, Rep. Hank Johnson on Twitter. All right, we're going to shift gears here. I want to go to uh, clip number one, Shakita. This is uh, dealing with Haiti. This is an update on what's going on in Haiti. Um, new Prime Minister Ariel Henry was sworn in on Tuesday in Haiti. This is reporting from uh, Al Jazeera. Let's go to this clip. The formal swearing-in of Ariel Henry as Haiti's new prime minister is an attempt to end days of uncertainty following the assassination of President Jovenel Moïse. Acting Prime Minister Claude Joseph appeared to be in charge following the brazen attack on Moïse. He stepped aside to allow Henry to take the reins. 
71-year-old neurosurgeon is calling for unity. He's facing a long list of social and political issues. We will create a secure, reliable and stable environment to facilitate political activities throughout the country. We will expect massive participation in the next presidential election, the highest participation of citizens of voting age. Henri has appointed his cabinet with the goal of leading Haiti to new elections. That's been problematic previously, leading to Moïse ruling by decree that Haiti's future may depend on a free and fair vote. This government won't think for the people. They're unpopular. They're only thinking for the elite again at the expense of the Haitian people. We can't expect anything serious from this government. We say to this new government, welcome, because we the Haitian people, we want actions from them. We would like the new government to solve the crisis of the country, to solve the problems of slum neighborhoods. Many Haitians see these as dangerous times, and Henri's international backing is regarded by some as a problem. Anybody they sort of back or anoint or push is going to be seen with a lot of skepticism by the Haitian people, I think. Uh, people are, are very wary of uh, international community uh, involvement in Haiti at this time. But, of course, they want aid, but they, they don't want the interference and uh, a meddling. Memorial services for 53-year-old Jovenel Moïse are being held, even as the investigation into his assassination continues. On Tuesday, Haitian authorities made more arrests, including people said to be police officers. But they appear no closer to finding out why he was killed. The cowardly assassination of the President of the Republic constitutes a real national drama. We have a duty to consider it as such, including those in hiding and in any counter-conflict. While the international community is pushing this impoverished nation to hold elections, others say voting won't solve Haiti's problems. Many key institutions have failed. Gangs control large parts of Port-au-Prince, and the economy lays in ruins. The stakes for Haiti couldn't be higher. Andy Gallagher, Al Jazeera. Okay, that is uh, reporting from Al Jazeera from uh, Tuesday, uh, July 20th, Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. Uh, check out this article here from that's on uh, their YouTube channel, Al Jazeera on YouTube. Check out this article here from um, Al Jazeera. Uh, amid political crisis, Haiti appoints new prime minister. OK, Ariel Henry's swearing in on Tuesday comes amid official commemorations for slain President Jovenel Moise. This is from uh, Tuesday, July 20th. 2021. And then also uh, look at the reporting here from the Associated Press. Um, the Associated Press, Haiti installs new leader as country mourns a uh, slain president. This is from July 20th uh, also. OK. All right. Hey, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. How you doing, Michael Leonard? How you doing, Frat? Appreciate that. Now, just so you all know, when you do it through YouTube, we only get a third of the payment, one, and two, YouTube only pays out once a month. So if you can only do it through YouTube, we understand and appreciate that, but you can do it through Cash App or PayPal, we get it right away. 
Okay. Um, through Cash App is dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. This is our official Cash App account. These other ones here are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. Ours is dollar sign the AHN show, S H O W. Uh, and it shows my name there, Michael, and shows my picture. Also, you can do it through uh, PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And be sure to uh, register for my new 10-week online course uh, that starts up. Uh, this one here starts up uh, Saturday, July 24th um, from the, uh, this is from the Civil Rights to, uh, from the Civil War to uh, Civil Rights, 1865 to uh, 1968, okay? And we have the information right on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And um, when you click on register here, it takes you to the next page. Click on enroll. As soon as you register, you can start. We have archive content. You can start watching, and you'll be enrolled in class. And class is going to be sun, uh, 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 Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Saturdays, 3 p.m to 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, okay? And each class will go through and analyze a 10-year uh, period of history, okay, to understand, and we'll start in 1865, uh, 40 acres in the mule, end of the Civil War, Reconstruction, to understand how we got to where we are today. Those watching on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and uh, my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting for a few more minutes. I'm going to share this uh, segment uh, that we did with Dr. Cornell West on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. Remember, right now it's correct strong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Cue this up. How's everybody doing? Um, let's go. Uh, let me cue this up here with uh, Dr. Cornell West. All right. Everybody stand by. Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in also. And then the um, other online course that uh, we have going on right now is uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Okay, so that is when you go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, that is underneath the information for uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power. Uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. That class is on Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay? And this is a 10 week online course. Also, we do a class live. All the sessions are recorded. Click right here for register here. It takes you to the next page. You can register for that one as well. Uh, so this, the, the new one, uh, dealing with from the civil war to the civil rights movement, that one picks up where this course leaves off. Okay. And this one here, we do with thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place also. All right. So just a minute here. Let me um, I want to cue this clip up here. Uh, we had an interesting conversation with uh, Dr. Cornell West, who helped um, clear up some uh, concerns that I had. Because I remember reading about conflicts uh, between, you know, that conflicts that Cornell West and 
Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. had with African Center scholars like Dr. Dr. Yosef Ben Yakinen and Dr. John Henry Clark in the late 80s, early 1990s, as well as Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. Because Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, Dr. Dr. Michael Eric Dyson was critical of the African Center scholars as well. I never heard him apologize for it either, by the way. Um, okay, let's go to this clip here. Okay, so so this point right here, he's responding to this point right here, he's responding to uh Faraji Muhammad. And we were talking about Dr. Greg Carr, who's the chair of the Afro-American Studies Department at at, How at, at Howard University. And um Dr. Greg Carr is a panelist from Roland Martin Unfiltered on Thursdays. Okay. So let's go back to this. Let's go to this clip here. My brother, like my, my dear brother, Carr, Craig Carr, you know, he's got the wonderful Afrocentric network. I was just part of that recently with Sister Karen, Karen Hunter, who, and both of them superb. And I'm sure you, you talked to brother Carr, Professor Carr, this day was professor. He's got his critique of Howard. Even though he's there at Howard, he loves black people in the same way other than Howard love black people. But there's a conversation, a dialogue and a debate that takes place within black institutions as well. And we've got to learn from them. Michael M. Hotep, your question. Um, Dr. Cornell West, this is Michael M. Hotep from the African History Network show. How you doing? Right, how you doing, my brother? Good to, good, good to see you. Man. All right, all right. Uh, you just mentioned uh, mutual friend, Dr. Greg Carr. So let, let me ask oh, this question. Since you, since, yeah, Dr. Greg Carr, uh, since you mentioned uh, Afrocentrism and Afrocentric, if we go back to the early 1990s, there was a critique from uh, Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. as well as you uh, regarding Dr. Yosef Ben Yakin and Dr. John Henry Clark. And uh, they, they talked about this in Emerge Magazine, the one with uh, one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, on the cover. But there was a critique referring to them, I may not get the words exactly right, but as demagogues and pseudo-scholars, something to that effect. Uh, and I know you went on later to have a friendly debate with Dr. John Henry Clark as well after the uh, NAACP uh, summit uh, around 1993. What was the critique in the early 1990s dealing with Afrocentrism? And do you still have that same critique today or has it maybe evolved or maybe you made some amends or what have you? Right. No, I appreciate that question, though, brother. It's a very important question. Well, one is that. You know, I said before that me and Brother Skip Gates are brothers and friends, but we don't speak the same language. See, I sat at the sure. feet of John Henry Clark when he was head of Black Studies and Puerto Rican Studies at Hunter College every month for almost four years. As you know, the debate that we had at Ohio State where Brother Carl was the mediator, he was the MC. I would never in a million years call the great John Henry Clark a pseudo-scholar. See, that's okay. not that's not my language. I would never in a million okay. years call him a demagogue. That's not my language. I disagree because he's a black nationalist, he's a pan-Africanist. I'm not a nationalist of any sort. I have great connections with black nationalists, but I'm not a nationalist of any sort. And therefore, I'm critical of, of any kind of talk of na nation formation that doesn't talk about class and empire and patriarchy and homophobia and a lot of other things. But that doesn't mean that they're not my comrades. So that I, I, I'm glad I get a chance to clarify this, my brother. John Henry Clark is one of the great geniuses and giants of the 20th century intellectually, politically, yes. as Pan-Africanist, going all the way back to his Sunday school in Georgia, his formation, all the way back to 
his magnificent plays and writings and worked with Malcolm X and so on. So the critique right. of Afrocentrism at that time, my brother, was, especially with Brother Leonard Jeffrey, you know, Leonard Jeffries mm -hmm. and I are brothers, that we've yeah. had public debates on and on and on, and his lovely wife right there in New Jersey. Right, Dr. Robert that, the debate has, yes. that, that the issue had to do was what was the role of Jews in the slave trade? And that, and that was the issue that got Brother brother Leonard in such deep trouble because he made the claim that, one, you must keep track of the role of Jews in the slave trade. He's right about mm -hmm. that. Jews did play a role in the slave trade. The Lopez family in, 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 in Rhode Island, for example. But then the question sure. became, what was the scope and the breadth of it? What mm -hmm. was the scope and the breadth of it? And there well, we had serious dialogue. And I, and I right there with Brother Leonard, Arguing, arguing, telling him, yes, the role was there, but it was not as extensive as he thought. But people said even to talk about Jews in the slave trade meant you were anti-Semitic, you were anti-Jewish. You said, no, right. no, that's just a way of not allowing black folk to be free enough to be critical of vicious Israeli occupation, not to be free enough to be in solidarity with Palestinian suffering. That's a moral and a spiritual issue again, you see. So we can't. We can't allow any of the critics to dampen our fire and not allow us to be free enough to think for ourselves. Now, Brother Leonard, Professor Jeffries was thinking for himself. We just happened to disagree. So we had public conversations about it. John Henry Clark came in to mediate because John Henry Clark, no more than both of us, put together in terms of right. historical knowledge of the slave right. trade and the Arab trade, the Arab slave trade that he would lay out so well and so on. So in that sense, I do want to make a distinction between Brother Skip and myself. Now, Brother Ben it is a different situation there sure. because right. there, it, I think it was Brother Skip who was using the language about Brother Ben. I've known Brother Ben since 1970. He used to come to my classes when I was with Union Seminary with James Cone and the others. And we, again, right. had major intense debates. And people mm -hmm. said, well, you know, he... Uh, he didn't. He didn't have a huge university position then. Now he may not have been teaching at a college, but a college went through him. And right. so you take seriously what he has to say. And we had just our agreements, disagreements, and our agreements in that sense. But I think the point you said that I'm trying to make here is that uh, I don't believe in using the language of pseudo scholars to great intellectual figures like a John Hope Franklin. I mean, like like a John Henry Clark. John Henry Clark, who like John Hope Franklin, both of them giant, both of them giant. Exactly, exactly. All right, thank you, thank you for that, Dr. Well, Wes. You, so you, 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 you talked about the, the so a um, couple things here. So one, I'm glad I asked that question because I, I I wasn't going to. I was hesitant about asking that question because I wasn't sure how it was going to go over. Because there was intense debate back in the late 80s, early 1990s. And um, there were attacks. First of all, he talked about uh, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. And the Dr. Jeffries was coming under attack and he was getting death threats um, in early 1990s. And he had to wear a bulletproof vest for five years, even in his classroom. Dr. Jeffries is one of my teachers. So he told me about it. Personally, I read accounts about it, but he told me about it personally. Um, and then Dr. Jeffries was talking about the role, the involvement of Jews in the transatlantic slave trade. And there was some involvement. Now, 
involvement varies depending upon which period of time you're talking about also. But he, uh, Dr. J came under uh, intense attack in the early 1990s. The debate that took place um, between Dr. John Henry Clark and Dr. Cornell West uh, it was right around 1993-94. That debate that took place was dealing with Pan-Africanism versus integration. Pan-Africanism versus integration. And Dr. John Henry Clark was a Pan-Africanist and Dr. Cornell West is not, I guess he would call himself an integrationist or something like that. Um, so you, you, you have that conversation there. Then he mentioned, and he talked about Dr. Yosef Ben Yakinen as well, Dr. Ben, um, the great Egyptologist, uh, Dr. Ben. But in the early 1990s, so there, there were two, uh, Dr. Leonard Jeffries was on the cover of Emerge Magazine twice in the early 1990s. Emerge Magazine was published by George Curry. George Curry, uh, African-American uh, journalist, just passed away um, a few years ago. Okay. And I'm trying to see. I had the cover. I had the cover of Emerge. Number one, I had a subscription to Emerge Magazine, but two, one of the covers with uh, Dr. Leonard Jeffries on it from Emerge, I had a picture of that cover and I don't know if I still have it. I gotta look and see, I just thought about that. I have to look and see, I still have that. Uh, okay, it may be on another um, flash drive or something. I have to find it. But anyway, uh, let's see here. I'll have to see if I can find it. But anyway, you had attacks from um, what some people may term as um, integrationist scholars or um, college professors at white institutions, largely uh, attacking the African Senate scholars, okay? So this was taking place in the uh, early 1990s. And Dr. Michael Eric Dyson was attacking uh, some of the African Center scholars for their claims about melanin and things like this. And I never heard him apologize. Maybe maybe he has um, a different opinion today. I don't know. But this is what was taking place in the early 1990s. Uh, I want to see. I'm trying to see if I can find this here. I know I have it uh, on some of my other flash drives, but it was in Emerge Magazine, okay? So uh, Google Emerge Magazine and uh, see what comes up. But this, but I, I was hesitant to ask the question because I wasn't sure how Dr. Cornell West was going to respond. I wasn't sure if um, it was a sensitive issue or what have you. So I'm glad I asked the question because he, he shed some light on the subject that I did not know. So, um, you know, I'm really glad I asked the question and that helped to um, clear up some confusion. Uh, I, I have seen the debate that took place uh, between he and Dr. John Henry Clark. Also, 
that debate was precipitated by a disagreement in about 1993 at the at the NAACP leadership summit, which was convened by Dr. Ben Chavis when Dr. Ben Chavis was uh, president of the NAACP national chapter. And what happened was, for those that don't remember, and I was in college when this took place. What happened was, and I don't know, I don't know if that is, uh, uh, I don't know if that is on YouTube anywhere. Okay, but if it is, oh, it was, it was excellent. Um, it was a leadership summit that convened African American leaders from different sectors of the African American community, civil rights community, uh, black power, uh, Afrocentrism, things like this. And Dr. John Henrik Clark was was on the panel, along with uh, Dr. Cornell West. And I don't remember a whole lot of other people. They sent people uh, from the NAACP and on the board. I think Jesse Jackson, I think Jesse Jackson was on the panel also. Uh, but what happened was um, Dr. John Henry Clark was doing an analysis of history. Yeah, Jesse Jackson was on the panel because Jesse Jackson disagreed with something that Dr. John Henry Clark said. And Dr. Clark was correcting his analysis. Dr. Clark was 100% correct in his analysis and, and, and Jesse Jackson disagreed with something, something that Dr. Clark said. But uh, Dr. Clark talked about uh, the last 500 years of history and Christopher Columbus. And he talked about um, the most important thing that uh, uh, the European colonized was the image of God. He talked about uh, uh, the European colonized history and the, the image of God and all the different things like this, right? So then Dr. Dr. Cornell West responded that Dr. Clark went to meddling with his Jesus when uh, Dr. Clark talked about the, uh, um, the colonization of the image of God into uh, from 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 uh, an African Jesus to a white Jesus or an African image of God to a white image of God. So then Dr. Cornell West starts talking about uh, he went to meddling with my Jesus and uh, black people wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the black church and different things like this. Right. So then some months after that, then they have their debate. Um, dealing with at the college, dealing with uh Pan-Africanism versus integration. And that was moderated by Dr. Greg Carr. Okay, this is like 93, 94. Okay, uh, I'm gonna post a link here to that full uh, episode of Roland Martin Unfiltered. That was from uh, Friday, July 16th. Uh, well, this, this is the segment here with uh, uh, Dr. Cornell West. This is this is the link that I have. The, um, if you go to Roland's YouTube channel, uh, Roland Martin on YouTube or Roland Martin on Facebook, you can find the full uh, show from July 16th. This is the segment with uh, Dr. Cornell West that I just posted. All right. OK, look, hey, we have to get out of here. Uh, be sure to uh, register for my new 10 week online course. Um, from the civil war to uh, civil rights and black power. Uh, each 
this is a 10 week online course. Each uh, Saturday will break down a 10 year period of time of history starting in 1865 with uh, 40 acres and the mule special field order number 15 and uh, the end of the Civil War and Juneteenth and the 13th Amendment. All that is in 13 in 1865. And we'll go through Reconstruction. We'll go through the Jim Crow era. Pleasy versus Ferguson, 1896, Mississippi State Convention, 1890, Louisiana State Constitution, 1898, Grandfather Clause, 1898. And we'll see how uh, uh, the compromise of 1877 ends Reconstruction. Gains that we were making are being reversed. Laws are being put in place to uh, lock us into a low level uh, existence in this society, uh, sharecropping, black codes, all different types of things like this. We'll, we'll look at uh, World War One, 1914 to 1918. Um, we'll look at the uh, uh, Great Migration, uh, 1915 to 1970, Civil Rights Movement, 1955 to 1970. Civil Rights Movement gives way to the Black Power Movement. Black Power Movement is coming out of SNCC in 1966. And then we see the formation of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, October 1966. So it's a fantastic uh, online course. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, etc. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. So you can go back and watch it over and over again. You even uh, have access to the class even after the class is over with. OK, and you can share this information with your children as well. This, I would say is PG-13. You can share this information with your children also. All right. Um, so visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have the information right on the home page. Scroll down. You'll see it there. Click on register here. It'll take you to the next page. And then uh, just click on enroll. OK. And as soon as you register, you can start watching the content. OK. We have uh, archive content, uh, classes one, two and three of uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade is uh, some archive content that you get as a bonus. So you can start watching that and you'll be ready for class uh, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch from around the world. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win, Wakanda forever. And we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow, peace. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle her hemp. 
Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. For 25 years, the Black History 101 Mobile Museum has carried on the rich legacy of the Black Museum movement in America by showcasing original artifacts of the Black experience at colleges, universities, K-12 schools, corporations, libraries, conferences, and cultural events, making it the most traversed Black History mobile exhibit in American history. Dr. Khalid El Hakim is the founder of the Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum, and he is a highly sought-after public speaker on topics of black history, social studies, education, museum studies, hip-hop, and race relations. Dr. Khalid was named among the change makers for NBC Universal's Erase the Hate campaign and listed as one of the 100 men of distinction for black enterprise. He recently founded the Michigan Hip Hop Archive on the campus of Western Michigan University. The Black History One-on-One Mobile Museum is currently scheduling in-person and virtual exhibits nationwide. For more information, please contact Dr. Khalid Al-Hakim directly at 313-645-4197, 313-645-4197, or visit their website at blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. That's blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. You can also email him at bhistory101 at yahoo.com, bhistory101 at yahoo.com. Digital Dandelion's Technical Solutions works with businesses like yours to create an operations manual for your business, which is something many businesses don't have. According to AARP, more than 30% of small business owners are over 50 years old. Many business owners want to retire by selling their businesses or by passing their businesses on to their children. However, according to Forbes Investment Advisors, Many retiring owners attempts to sell their businesses for retirement fail. You cannot sell your business without a business manual. Your children also cannot inherit your business because there is no way to run it. Your business does not have to die when you leave. Their business Bible products will give you the tools you need for a thriving business that can make you money even after you retire. Are you looking at increasing your business's annual revenue? Digital Dandelions can help you make at least $100,000 in annual revenue and expand your business. Speak with them today about solidifying your business. Visit DigitalDandelions.com today and get a free 30-minute consultation. 